Hey there, welcome to Leading with Grace, the podcast for women going through separation and divorce. Here I get to share with you principles and tools that will help you to create a revelatory relationship with God so that you can navigate your own separation and divorce with greater peace, confidence, and love for yourself. Hello and welcome back, my friends. How is the new year going so far? Have you had a chance to write down what it is that you want to experience and achieve in this world, in this world, and at this time in your life? Because 2023 is for you, my friend. And so I hope you take the time to listen to the episode that I put out. I think on January second, or was it January third? It was January third. Sorry. <laughs> and to really take the time to write down the desires of your heart, like what it is you really want to achieve. All right. I want to begin this episode by telling you about someone by the name of Roger Bannister. All right. He was um, an Olympic runner who was part of the 1952 Summer Olympics. All right. And he was running the 1500 meter race. And he had high hopes that he would be able to break a world record and to get a medal. However, he came in at a disappointed fourth place. And even though he had broken a world record, the first three also broke world records. So now here he is four years later, medical student in London. And he had decided that he wanted to achieve something that had not been done before. And it was this, to be able to run a mile in under four minutes. Now, before this time, it was touted by experts that the human body was not capable of running a mile in less than four minutes. And I I don't know who these, these experts are. I don't know how they came up with this conclusion or with this belief. Um, there, I read that there was some legend. One of the legends is that to try and achieve this landmark of breaking the four-minute mile, um, they would, I guess, have bulls run after you or run behind you to try and encourage you to to like break this this belief that you can run a mile in less than four minutes. But it had never been done. At least it had never been done and recorded. So I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> anyway, so here he is, medical student, and he had this belief that he was capable of running the mile in less than four minutes. And it wasn't something that he decided one day and then achieved the next, but that he actually had been training for some time during his time as a medical student. And he realized that there are four elements into achieving his goal. All right. The first one, a good track. Second, absence of wind. Third, warm weather. And four, even paced running. And now, as I'm saying those four things to you, I bet you can guess what was within his favor and what was out of his control, all right? And obviously it was anything that do, had, that had to do with the weather, he could not control. But his even pace running, the good track that he was practicing on, these were things that he knew. But the weather, 
Yeah. Not a lot of control there, right? <laughs> so on May 6, 1956, he arrived at um, his track meet, and they were going to be going up against Oxford University. He had, re- he had gotten there late afternoon and getting ready and warming up. But as he was there warming up and getting ready and waiting for his heat to begin, he noticed nearby a flag on a steeple and it was blowing. And so he noticed that the weather on that day was not in his favor, that it was windy. And so what was so interesting as I was reading about his story here was that there was a time where he wasn't sure if he should even attempt to run the four minute mile. And that just based on extra circumstances, he was doubting his ability. He was doubting his training. And what got him to commit to attempting it, to believe in the possibility was what they call a pacemaker. And a pacemaker is almost like you can see them as a, um, a an accountability partner that was training with him, that was actually going to be running with him. And his pacemaker demanded an answer right then and there. Either you were going to do it or you were not. And so Roger decided then and there he was going to attempt it. He was going to believe in it. And so in his first lap, in the quarter mile, he made it to 57.5 seconds. At the halfway mark, one minute, 58 minutes. The third mark, three minutes and seven, three minutes and, and seven, no, three minutes and three-tenths of a second. I hope I said that right. And so he knew in his mind how much time he had to run that last lap. They had to be less than 59 seconds for him to make to make his goal. And he actually did. He ran the mile in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. And what's even crazy is that he had no idea that he even broke the record. He had a feeling that he did. And I want to say that he had that feeling because he knew he gave it his all. He put all his belief into being the runner that can run the mile in less than four minutes. And once he had crossed that line, then it was announced that not only did he beat the school record, but the British record, the European record, and then the world record. Can you believe it? 25-year-old med student. That's it. And he wasn't even training full-time. He was only training, I think he said, 45 minutes was all he was given in a shift to practice his running. That was it. So what got him to achieve the impossible? I want you to think about that for a moment. What changed for him to make the impossible a possibility? And what's even more crazy is that after he broke this record, it wasn't until 46 days later that an Australian person by the name of John Lardy would break that record with three minutes and 57.9 seconds. 
And since then, so many other men and women, even high schoolers, have broken the four-minute mile barrier. So what changed? When before, there were experts. I'm sure there were medical experts. Maybe they were um, um, athletic experts that said that this was not possible. And yet it became possible. I just find it so amazing that there was this belief that the human body was incapable of such a feat. And that, and I want to quote this, further legends hold that people had tried for over a thousand years to break the barrier. Isn't that crazy? And so because it was not achieved, it was considered impossible. So again, what changed? And what does this mean for you and for me? This is what I believe was the shift in going from the impossible to possible. And it had nothing to do with experts, but it had everything to do with the human desire to believe. And a human desire to achieve what is within our heart. Because it is within our heart that tells us what we are capable of doing. That what we are capable of creating that has never been created before. And that the impossible is simply a thought, a belief you get to decide if it is true or not. And that just because it had never been done before did not mean it couldn't be done. So now let's go back to the human brain and the four purposes of the human brain that can keep us in the realm of impossibility. All right. The human brain, number one, is meant to keep us safe. Number two, seek pleasure. Three, conserve energy. Four, provide identity and self-worth or self-value. So when we just look at the human brain, there's no room in there to want or even to desire to challenge the perceived impossibility. So I want to ask you, what is your equivalent of a four-minute mile? What is something that feels so impossible to you right now? Especially as you may be going through a separation and divorce or something that you never thought you would be going through at this stage in your life. I want you to make that list. I want you to put, put it all out there. What you've been telling yourself is impossible. Then I want you to answer this. Choose one of them, just one. And ask yourself, what is the factual hard evidence proof that this is true? Now you can tell me that you've tried and tried but I'm then going to ask you how many times and in how many ways. I want to think about Roger Bannister as he was practicing running the mile in less than four minutes. How many times do you think he ran that mile? And how many times did he miss the mark? I bet a lot. 
And every time he ran it and missed the mark, he learned something. And he would run it again, and he would learn something else. And again, and again, and again. Maybe he ran that mile a hundred times. Maybe 200 times. Maybe even 500 times. And every time he ran, he was dialing in as to why he wasn't achieving it at that point. At that point. And I think from there, he came up with his four elements. The element of the weather. Was it going to be windy? Was it going to be warm? The track. And him being able to run at a consistent speed. But it didn't all come to him when he tried for the first time. Or the tenth. Maybe it took him a hundred tries to start figuring out what was in his control and what was not in his control. And on top of that, probably a, a, a stubborn belief that he was capable of achieving the impossible and believing in it enough to get up and try again and again. Now, as as 2022 has closed and we're beginning 2023, a good friend of mine, Lisa, had challenged uh, me and another friend, Emily, to write down our wins, to just go through and, and document what we've been able to achieve that we did not think we could achieve. And so I decided, all right, I'm going to grab, I'm going to find all my journal entries, <laughs> bring them out on top of my... Um, my, my planner, anything that was on my calendar, and I'm just going to go through it all. And I'm not, I'm not entirely done with it yet, but I'm, I'm mostly done. I think I might be on August. And so as I was writing these, these milestones and wins down, I was amazed at what I was capable of, that I had no idea that I could achieve or that it was even in the realm of, of achievability as I begin 2022. And that it really opened my eyes to what I don't know that I don't know. And what I mean by that is what is possible that I don't have that I don't yet know is possible? And especially in the realm of separation and divorce. You know, it's we've heard all the stories about about hard and horrible experiences of going through a separation and divorce. And I am not discounting any of that whatsoever. And the pain and the suffering and the grief and, and the hurt that can be evolved around, around that situation. But is it possible that even when outside circumstances can make things really hard for us, that we can hold this inherent space of calm and peace and joy 
is that even possible to stay in that realm of a spirituality that can affect our mindset and our emotions? Even when someone outside of us is trying to destroy us, whether in court or mediation or in any level of negotiation, is it possible? Most of the world will say, no, it is not possible. There's no way for you to, to find happiness. There's no way for you to find gratitude and love. There's no way for you to find forgiveness for yourself and for the other person when that other person is trying to destroy you. And I want to challenge that. I want to present to you that that is your four-minute mile. And if you could do this, like what would be different? What would be different for you right now? How would you be feeling? How would you be making decisions? How would you be taking a hold of your life, the part of your life that you have power and control, which is your mind, your spirit, your emotions, and your own body, your own bodily actions, what you say, what you watch, what you hear, what you do with your hands, with your feet, with your head, with your neck. Like that is the only thing you really have control over. And for me, I had to really, really come to grips with what I had control over and to come to grips with what I was trying to control outside of myself. And I'm still learning that. I'm still being tutored as to what I do have control over. But when I really step into the inherent being of who I am, I have such a clarity and clear vision of the influence that I can have outside of myself. And I just... I want to share with you some of my four-minute mile opportunities that I have been able to achieve, to face and to achieve. And I have to tell you, I didn't want to do any of these. <laughs> I didn't. like, And I'm saying this because so many of them have been presented to me by God. And, and when he presents things to me, like my knee-jerk reaction is absolutely not. That is not even possible. I can't do that. Seriously, th that's what I say every single time. And so I am so grateful that I have a Heavenly Father who knows my capacity, who knows the four-minute miles that I can face, achieve, and overcome. And that he doesn't listen to me. I'm so grateful he doesn't listen to me. Because if it wasn't for his belief in me, I honestly don't know where I would be. And so here they are. At the beginning of the year, I decided to build my own website using WordPress. And this is big because so many people I talked to said, that is not even worth doing. It's not possible. WordPress is too hard. 
is too confusing. You have to know all this other stuff. And you know what? For a while, I believe that. I'm like, yeah, I can't do WordPress. This is, this is not possible. What am I going to do? And I believe that until I found a step-by-step YouTube video showing me how. And when I watched it, I was blown away. I remember my thoughts as I watched it. It was like these thoughts of, oh my goodness, I think I can do this. I know I can do this. And then feeling this bubbling, feeling a possibility like in my body. And I knew I had to try. Something was calling me to try and to create something. And I did. I mean, it took me like three months. (laughs) And there are moments where I just wanted to give up. But I kept going at it and kept going at it and kept going at at it. And I'm so grateful that I did because I learned so much about WordPress. I learned so much about Elementor. I learned so much about about domains and and what what I liked and what I wanted my website to look like and to feel like. And the different elements of a website. So I'm so grateful that I really followed my heart. I followed my creative desires, those God-given desires within me. And to prove to myself that what I thought was possible was not true. Another one, building a tangible and sustainable relationship with God and Jesus, in which I could hear the wisdom and direction for my life, like to really hear them and do so consistently. And that it has been spiritually intimate of an experience, and at the same time, an out-of-body experience to have this kind of revelatory relationship with them. And from their tutelage, they have presented me with four-minute mile opportunities that I didn't think would be possible. And for me to achieve it in such a short amount of time, I can tell you that it used to be he had to give me months of of coaching and prepping for me to, to execute whatever he wanted me to execute. And then those months got shortened to weeks. I got shortened to days. And now they're getting shortened to hours. I I still might need 24 hours <laughs> to like wrap my head around the next four minute mile opportunity that God wants me to achieve. But I know deep down inside that every time I do it, I am building up my confidence in myself. And so even though my knee-jerk reaction is absolutely not, I can't do that, that's not possible, I know that deep in my heart, deep in my spiritual being, it's not true and that I am going to achieve it. I've been able to achieve forgiveness for myself and for my ex and to ask for it Never did I think that would be possible. And not only to ask him once, but on several occasions. And to just feel, to feel the remorse, 
but to do it not in a place of shame or blame, but do it from a place of love, love for him, love for me, and love for my Heavenly Father and my Savior, Jesus Christ. I have learned and implemented how to navigate negotiations over the separation agreement and to do it from a place, again, of love and goodwill. Is that possible? Because the separation agreement, let me tell you, when I started on this journey of negotiating, oh, I was coming from such a place of scarcity. And it's totally normal and human to begin there. But I want you to know it doesn't have to end there. It can end with so much grace. It can end with so much abundance. Actually, it doesn't have to end in abundance. It could be in the middle of it. It could be two months in. It could be three months in where the abundance begins to flow, this heavenly abundance. And that when I began negotiating from that place of abundance, that it got easy. It almost got... <sighs> I don't even know what the word is, but it got possible. It wasn't a feeling of impossible, impossibility or dread, but it was possibility and goodwill and grace. And that I was open to how God wanted me to negotiate that separation agreement. What it is that he needed me to, to give into and to hold fast to, and to do it from place of goodness. I also learn, and I'm still learning to communicate from place of friendship, and that this actually requires a certain level of vulnerability that I am practicing. But I'm practicing this because I know it's possible and within my capacity. And before then, oh my gosh, you guys, Never did I think that would ever be possible. I mean, I had heard stories about it and I would be like, oh, whatever. <laughs> like, that's so not possible. That is so not true. But you know what? I was wrong. And I'm okay being wrong in that realm. I also was able to wish my my, I, I don't even know what to call him. We're not even divorced yet. I can't call him an ex. I can't call him a spouse. Maybe I can. I don't know. If you guys have like a really good name, I'd really appreciate you sending it my way. <laughs> but I was able to wish him a Merry Christmas and to ask if I can give him a hug. And now I do have to tell you that was not my idea. Like God gave me that idea. And I, again, my knee jerk reaction was absolutely not. But I knew deep down inside that was not only something that I needed to do, but that I actually wanted to do. And that through all this, I've learned and am learning to put aside my human impulses and hold space for the wisdom of God to be revealed and to not be afraid of it. To face it, to be willing to open up to it. And that it's okay for me to think that it may seem impossible but to really drop into my heart space and to be honest with what is really there, which is, it is possible. 
I will do it. I get to do it. And I want to do it. Now, some of these things may seem small to you. But when you consider how loud our brain can be, especially my brain, with its stories and chatters, it can be so easy to simply believe all of that chatter and never consider achieving the impossible. But we read from the Gospels that with God, all things are possible. And I've learned for myself that when I have a hard time holding fast to a belief, I let God do the holding first until I can hold on to that belief myself. And sometimes that belief is as simple as believing that I don't know all things, but God does. And that I don't have to know all things. I just need to believe that the God of the universe has enough belief in me to do what he wants me to do. And that without him, my four-minute miles would be non-existent. And with him, my ability to run this four-minute mile, which I call my mile of separation and divorce, has been one of the hardest, most enduring, most profound, and transcendent race I have ever run in my life to date. He has taught me precepts and principles that I could not have learned from coaching or from church. It has come from him. This spiritual connection has been the four-minute mile that I am most proud of, most grateful for. And guess what? I believe that his kind of four-minute mile can actually be done in three minutes and maybe in one who is to say that I cannot achieve such a feat? I won't know until I believe that it is possible and that it can be done. So who's with me? Who wants to find out if there is a hard and fast line between our mortal and pre-mortal realm? This is what I would call divorce and discipleship. Two things that seems to clash, to be in conflict with, and that these two varying elements of my life truly has helped me to achieve my four-minute mile runs over and over and over again. It's coming to know for myself what I have control over and what I do not, and let God take the lead. And so I want you to begin discovering your four-minute miles. I want you to experience what it's like to do what the world says is impossible. And it doesn't have to be running an actual mile. It doesn't have to be be in the Olympics or swimming or anything like that. It could be something even more close to home. It could it may have to do with your relationship with your spouse, with an ex-spouse, with your children, young, teenage or old, whether they are estranged or not. It may have to do with a mother or a mother-in-law or a father or father-in-law or siblings or uncles or aunts or your neighbor or a church or even God himself. What is the possibility of achieving the impossible? For me, I just want to say that 
A separation and a divorce doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be grief-ridden. There is joy, true spiritual joy in this part of your journey. You can negotiate with confidence. You can actually negotiate with love and goodwill. You can begin to have foresight for your life. You can begin to have a spiritual connection you've always wanted and wished for. This way of living, of breathing, will sustain you as you face many more four-minute miles. I know you can do it, and I can help you. Why? Because I've been there. I have achieved the four-minute mile over and over again. Are you willing to work with me? Are you willing to go through this self-discovery of your own four-minute mile? Are you willing to consider that you have it within you to achieve it? As I've been thinking about the elements of achieving a four-minute mile, there's three, and maybe there's more than three, but I just want to pick out three. Number one, a pacemaker, someone who's going to run with you, someone who's going to help you to process the spiritual landscape that you are going through. In other words, it's a guide. It could be me. It could be anyone who is willing to walk the path with you and to hold space for that belief that anything is possible. Number two, to do your research, to learn how the impossible really is possible, to find the evidence of it. Even if you cannot see it right now, evidence that is out there that is true. In other words, faith. And number three, decide to believe the possible and to not believe the chatter of other people and quote-unquote experts. No one is an expert for yourself. You are your own greatest expert. You are your own greatest expert of your own desires, your capacity, and your spiritual journey. And you're not meant to do this alone. And so, if any of this resonates with you, I want you to reach out to me. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a discovery call. How can I help you? How can I help you to achieve what your heart most desires? How can we make sense of conflict within yourself? And what would it be like if you were able to resolve that conflict? To resolve what seems so impossible. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to hear from you and to learn what you are going through. Thank you so much for coming. If you want to learn more about how to confidently navigate your separation and divorce, subscribe to this podcast and get on my email list at heonorth.com coaching.com. That's H-Y-O-N-O-R-T-H coaching.com. All links will be found in the show notes. Until next time, take care.